some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome back. The Friday summer is just going by way too fast. Hopefully you're getting lots of time to chill and do all the things you want to do. Of course, thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for helping to make the show possible. Rox, how are you? I couldn't be any better. How about you? I am still in vacation. Like my brain, after coming back from Hilton Head, like I cannot get out of beach mode. Like when I come home, like all I want to do is be in my flip-flops and, you know, grill something out and just, you know, drink lemonade. It's like, I don't want to do anything else, but you know, there's still work to be done. And then of course there's this show. So I look forward to catching <laughs> up and you had quite the weekend. You guys went to Ohio. Yes. We went to Columbus, Ohio, the Amazon resale convention, those doing e-commerce for a living or a part-time yeah. job were there to learn and gain some skills. And when you see a 25 year old d- doing four mil with his e-commerce business. I'm like, what? Uh, So there's money to be made. And we took a lot of notes and had a lot of fun. And of course, had a lot of activities outside the conference, which made it really fun. So I had a week of art and you know how much I love to go to museums and dance. And we had Shakespeare in the park. And so I had a little mini vacation too. And it feels fantastic, doesn't it? It feels great. I finally also got to see the new Indiana Jones. It's amazing. I was, I mean, I, I could have done not to, this is no spoilers here. So if you are listening, we're not going to say anything that's going to, you know, fry the movie for you, <laughs> but there is a segment where as a flashback and given technology, they can de-age Harrison Ford and he looked good. Like I could have been fine with the whole movie of just him in that setting. And you just made me believe that that you shot it 30 years ago. But wasn't I right about the sentimental ending? Mm. The ending was spectacular. Yeah, and and it is a great closure because, I mean, clearly Harrison is done and he's been open about that, so no spoilers there. But for those of us that grew up on Raiders, like it is a nice capsule to just kind of bookend everything that we grew up on. And my girls are big movie buffs, but I didn't really raise them on Indiana Jones because that's not really their thing. I just focused on like Harry Potter and Star Wars and, you know, called it good 80s movies, of course. But uh, for Indiana Jones, I was like, hey, just skip Temple of Doom. It's kind of dark and weird and they're eating foods that, you know, no one would ever really want to eat and then just watch the other ones. And so that's what I've kind of been telling everyone else. So if you need to catch up, it's worth it to see before it leaves the theaters. But the big news at the box office is Sound of Freedom, Mm. a Christian film that focuses on this incredible Homeland Security dude who went on his own and got 50 children off some island in Colombia, highly dangerous. He's an incredible hero that were being sex trafficked as children, a terrible problem that we have in the world. But for them to beat Indiana Jones at the box office, how do they do it? Well, you go to angel.com, you get your free tickets. And then at the end, Jim Caviezel, who you have met, I'm so jealous, (laughs) who stars in the film said, it's not about us. It's about these two little kids 
brother and sister who watched out for each other. And now if you'd like to pay it forward and let somebody go to the movies and see this, you can do it. And everybody picked up their phones and that's how it's, it's doing just so well at the box office. It's a beautiful movie. It's beautiful. And it's amazing to think about, you know, we talk about God's timing, but I think this movie is a great example because it's been delayed since 2020 and kept getting bounced around all the streaming services. So they didn't think the theater would take it. And then none of the streaming services wanted it. And then finally they found a production company that bought the rights and said, we got this and now look at it. So the timing is perfect. And there's not been a single person and I'm surrounded by people who love going to the movies everyone is raving about this film. So if, if you're looking for something that really will move you to maybe a calling or something that you just had no idea could be going on in this world at all, but to see it firsthand like that, it, it really makes it come alive. And Christian films, they're hot. Angel Studios, this isn't their only box office hit. His only son, remember when we got to interview the director? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it was right. huge at the box office the weekend it opened. Yeah. So it's exciting. I think America's just crying out for quality films that make them feel where where no one is ashamed of the name Jesus Christ. Yeah. And there's no secret that, you know, opening weekend is big for any film. So if you want to support faith-based films, then definitely go opening weekend. Even if you go to a matinee on a Sunday, that still counts, you know, and, and then you can pull everybody from church as you're leaving. You just go by the Cracker Barrel and right down to the theater. Everybody's good to go. <laughs> I love that. Ways that our God is the perfect father. You know, in this world, some of us, our earthly father, that just doesn't really connotate into happy things. That's just the way life is. But with our father, Psalm 1830 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in him. What do you get with our heavenly father? Support, comfort, love, compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, redemption. I just really don't know what I was doing, Ace, as a non-believer walking around as an adult. Well, I know what I was doing. I was empty. I was isolated. I was depressed. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, to drive home the point, because you and I both have had situations within, you know, our upbringing where we couldn't really depend upon father figures. And then when God provides someone to play that role for you, then you're like, okay, well, I'm starting to get a visual of what it looks like. But again, God's working in our lives the whole time, regardless of where we are in our relationship with him. So then, if nothing else, where you are with God right now, ask him to show you where he provided. Ask him to show you where he led you into something and you had no idea that it had anything to do with him or that he even existed or loved you that lavishly. But then once you can start to identify, then you go, okay, this is who my heavenly father really is to me. And if you've had a father that's left you, an earthly father that wasn't involved, that wasn't there, that maybe just took off, he remains. And I think that's that's something we can carry with us forever. You know, I will never leave or abandon you. Well, if you leave, it's goodbye. I might come back. Abandon is I'm out of here. Sure. He won't do either. 
Well, and unconditional love is hard to wrap our minds around when, like, it's great when you're a child, right? You know, it's easy to see daddy through a certain set of goggles. And I know when I was going through some of my darker times, I worried about my girls, not only in how they saw me as I was making choices that were not of God, but then how that reflected back on, well, if daddy lies about these things, maybe he lied about God too. And, you know, and I'm very blessed that they saw God work and change in me, which gave them some kind of reflection into their own lives and in their own decisions. And, you know, I, I, I tell, I jokingly say this, but it's true. I taught them the Beatles and the Bible and everything <laughs> else will take care of itself. But if you, if, if you're in that place of, I'm afraid to trust God fully because all I know is conditional love, ask him to show you where he's already provided for you. And then you'll start to see those peeled onion layers come down and hopefully can trust him fully. Well, and they say, don't test God, but reaching out and asking him to show you. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think he draws near the brokenhearted. And a lot of times that's when we cry out to God, mm-hmm. when we're at our weakest, when we're the most frightened, yeah. when we don't have the answers. And he provides those answers. He leads, he provides, he comforts. He is truly love. Well, a guy that walks around just in love with Jesus is such a fabulous man of integrity, super fun too, and super smart. We're talking about our friend Terrell Newell at Birmingham Mortgage Group. Yeah, you can check him out, behammortgage.com, or you can even give him a call at 205-259-1656. Because here's the thing, in a housing market where the house that's down the street that you've either had your eye on or you've been wanting to move to a better school district in the summer is the perfect time to do that, Terrence has got programs in place that he can help make sure that you're getting down, getting in with as little down as possible, that you're getting the best interest rates. So if you want to pay it off quickly, you can do it in morsels that are digestible. But if you're trying to just be in a place that maybe your family's growing and you need more space or, you know, in-laws are having to move in, you need more space, whatever it is. Let Turin take care of you and find the program that best fits your finances. You're going to be so happy you did. Again, that's behammortgagegroup.com. Call Turin. Let him take care of you today. Imagine this. A woman's in Indianapolis. She stops at her mailbox. Normal thing to do, right? She's pulling out her mail, and then there's a man with a gun to her head. You're going to take me inside your house, and you're going to give me money. And she said, no, I, we're not going in my house but here's a hundred bucks. And he said, you know what? You're too pretty. <laughs> You're too pretty to shoot. You're going to Facebook friend me right now. So there's still a gun to her head. So she shows him, <laughs> you can't make this stuff up where she friends him mm-hmm. and says, look, you're my Facebook friend. We're friends. She did that hoping he would leave. Her name is Amber Baron. She tells WRTV. She thought, well, we're friends. Now he has my hundred bucks. Maybe he'll leave. And he did. And what does he do? He private messages. Hey, babe, (laughs) let's go. (laughs) Wow. Let's go. There's some guys that can grow a pair, but man, he's, he's a little... So the cops went and visited an armed robbery, one of the pending charges against said young man 
who thought it would be okay. Well, yeah, I mean, did he not think that that wouldn't backfire? Because two things. One, once you friend someone on Facebook, you can easily unfriend them, block them, move on, and you saved your life. But now she also knows how to send your information to the police. Like, I don't, like, you know, there's dating apps if you really need a friend. (laughs) You know, let's not be so aggressive and, you know, be pulling out guns and robbing people to try to make friendships. I just, uh, the world gets weirder every day, don't you think? Right when I think, I've heard it all. You know, I've covered news for so many years and there were so many bizarre stories, but I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah, and it, it it's everybody's uptight right now, which is why they all need to garden. They need to adopt the Roxanne mindset and get some of the hacks. So what's what's the latest bloom going on in your backyard? Well, I have this incredible Korean melon vine plant that is it's like eight feet up now. And it came from a friend of mine who was eating this melon. They're very unusual. They're about this big and they're white inside, but they're wonderful. And she had one and she said, well, we'll see if anything grows. And she buried it in my garden and it's humongous. And I'm going to have like eight melons off of it. I just think it's so fun. I Today I made homemade tomato soup with all my fresh tomatoes. I made squash casserole with all my fresh squash. Mm. I mean, I'm just having a ball. But there are real benefits to gardening. I had no idea. If you garden for two hours, you're burning like 450 calories. I'm like, well, but I thought, okay, I am hauling dirt. (laughs) (laughs) I I am digging, Sure. you know? uh, And so, yeah, I guess that makes some sense, but they also say the peace that you get from it is so good for your mental health. And I have to admit, God and I are so close. It's like, Lord, you made this. You also made birds that are eating my blackberries and my strawberries, Lord. Mm, But there's a solution for that. It's called a bird net. So I'm all netted up now. Nice. But you just look at the cycle of life. You know, we could do the whole Lion King thing. It just brings you close to God. And you get out there with the right playlist. Like like time (laughs) escapes. And then you come in with a nice basket of veggies when, you know, the harvest is ready and... But there is something because I remember as a kid, we we lived in an apartment for a long time. So my dad had a friend from church that she basically hired him to take care of his garden, her garden. And our pay or his pay was you can take as much from the garden as you want, because there's way more, you know, because I think the the lady's husband had passed away. So he had kept it up. And so it was an abundance for the two of them and their families. But she couldn't eat it all by herself, but she could and bring herself to tear it all down. So we had fresh cucumbers and tomatoes. And I mean, it was, it was the best. And so I'd go out there with him. I didn't know. The, I still don't remember the first thing about what I did other than when it was time to pick, he's like, okay, go gather those. Okay. Now go pick those. Okay. Bring me that, you know? So I, I the, the, the healthiness, cause I mean, vegetables, everything in the produce section right now is either half already ripe and needs to be eaten all at once or it's so expensive you can't buy it so you're you know you're taking care of your finances and your body at the same time yeah two pounds of squash four dollars and 25 cents what it's squash 
squash is really easy to grow. <laughs> so yes, that's a great point. All right, we gotta gotta face something right now. When God says no. Mm. Woman's written a book about when God says no, and she says, I prayed for God to fix something for 15 years. It was something that just affected me. It was something that really grieved me. It was part of a dream that was super important. And I got an emphatic no. And I went into grieving. And then she says, I went into God's word and found out who he, who else he said no to. Mm. We're in really good company because if you look back to Paul, who said, wow, I, I got this thing, Lord. Will you take it away? It's some sort of physical ailment. We're not sure what it is. He was like, well, Lord, you're not going to take it away. It must be a reminder that, you know, I'm going to be okay despite this. And, of course, he said it in in Paul language, Bible language, not the way I just summed it up. But then there's (laughs) David losing his baby, you know, begging with the Lord, spare my baby. The baby passed, and then everybody's shocked because he got up, watched his face, got dressed, and was like, had to go about his day. Yeah. No was the answer. Yeah. And there are, it's such a great reminder. There are great stories in the Bible of situations that, you know, people say that it's a disconnect or that, you know, God worked differently then than he does now. No, he works exactly the same. It just allows us, like Roxanne just did, she put it in terms that we can understand. And that's what we need to be doing as we read God's word is to say, show me a, a, a story, God, that is relatable to the situation I'm presently in, because we're all in different spaces. You know, we overlap a little bit, but we're all in our different phases of life. And whatever that struggle is, whatever that thing is that you're waiting on a yes for, and you've heard no, or you've heard a maybe, or you haven't heard anything, you know, the teacher's the quietest during the test, right? And so as you're walking through to the next thing, And then you also see those stories in the Bible, and we all have some testament of that, of where we waited because he told us no, and then the abundance of what it was that he was preparing us for is far greater than we could have ever prayed for, thought about, dreamt for, you know, and and I think that's the part that helps our faith to grow is to look at those stories and go, okay, God, I want you to work in my life like you did David, because I'm hurting like he is, or work in my life. Uh, you asked me to follow you like Moses. Okay, well, do me for me like you did Moses. You know, show me those miracle opportunities, and it, it, he will. I mean, I, I can speak firsthand in my own life. When I stopped Ace's agenda and allowed for those no's to be closed doors and not try to pursue after something or someone's, it was huge for me. Well, God has the whole puzzle, and he's putting the pieces together. Sometimes I think he knows that you're not ready or the parts of your story that need to come together aren't ready. Therefore, that's why it's a no, either forever or temporarily. But he knows. You know, we can't understand what God is doing. And it might be protection. You know, have you ever been delayed in your house and you lost your keys and you're so aggravated and upset and... uh, It probably prevented you dying in a two-car accident wherever you were going, that little delay. Yeah. I think rather than rejection, I think a lot of no's are protection, don't you? Amen. Amen. Well, I mean, think about when you say that to your kids, when you don't want them to 
you know, burn their hand or, you know, run out in the street or, you know, eat too much junk food, whatever it is that you've said no to, it is a protection. It's, you know, it's not, you, you can still have that or you can still play in these places, but here's your safety net. Here's the, the borders around you. And in the same way that we do that to our kids, you know, God's do, we talk about him being the ultimate father. He's, scolding his children when it's necessary, (laughs) but it is. A lot of it is that protection for us. Absolutely. All right. How can you and your spouse be better parents by being better to each other? That's part of the equation. Mm. And I think this is really good stuff. Make your roles equal, not the same. In other words, you're working together to raise children, right? One of you is a morning person. One of you is not. One of you I'm likes to cook. Person. You're the morning person. Mm-hmm. One of you likes to cook. The other one doesn't. Work together on your strengths. Mm-hmm. Help each other with the weaknesses. Yeah. So that the kids are happier when you're happy. If I'm grouchy because I have to take out the trash, yeah. which I don't want to do. I'm married partly so that I have somebody to take out the trash. That's fair. (laughs) And kill bugs. I'm not going to kill bugs. I'm married. So when you have those sorts of things work out, I think when the parents are happier, the kids are happier. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, knowing your roles, knowing the things that you like to do and, and don't mind doing, or even if you do mind doing them, knowing that you're putting yourself aside to serve your spouse is huge. And actually, I was uh, on TikTok this week, and uh, Jenna Elfman, who a lot of people remember from Dharma and Greg sitcom back in the day, her and her husband are hilarious to watch on social media because it's always the two of them talking about their own relationship and then the lessons they're learning. And they're not doing it from a godly perspective, of course, but they are still sharing wisdoms that we all can learn from. And the thing that kind of ties into what this is talking about is she said that she learned that when he calls her, no matter what's going on in her day, she will answer. And she says in her head, this conversation right now in this moment is about him. Even if he's calling to do the same for her. And so it's them constantly giving of their time, of their energy, so that they can serve each other. And then it's a matter of like trying to outdo each other, which is a whole nother, you know, social media thing. But I love that mindset of that as you're emptying the dishwasher, as you're folding clothes, as you're taking out the trash, it's not, I got to do my chores. You know, it's, I'm doing it to serve my family. I'm doing it to serve my spouse. And here's the best part. As you do that, you love your spouse This in this manner. Your kids are watching so that when they are ready to start dating and looking, they want to find someone who also does the same. Yeah. One of the best things you can say to your wife, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. (laughs) And when things are going wrong, again, listening is the best thing you can do. I mean, (laughs) Tawny will tell you time and time again that when she's going through something, I listen and then I go, what does God say about it? Because it doesn't matter what Ace says about it until she's heard from him first anyway. And then she's like, well, I haven't really asked him. I'm not really listening. I'm just really mad. I was like, okay, we'll be mad for a little bit and then ask him. Because, you know, God's big enough to... Endure when we're just hussy and you know, it's like, okay, are you done? Okay, now I got something to say to you, you know, and then you listen to him. But that's a great reminder, and I need to do that more often. It's just say, 
what does God say about it? You know, because a lot of times, let's face it, we're just busy griping. But have you had those moments where even when you have asked that and you're like, I don't really want to hear what God has to say because I know what he's about to tell me. Like, you know, like you've been listening often enough. That's that's when I know that I'm just in a grumpy, grouchy mood where it's like, yeah, I'm not asking God because I know he's going to tell me (laughs) and I'll listen tomorrow. But today I'm in. I'm I'm in my funky place. I'm just going to put on my loud rock and roll and deal with it, you know, in the most healthily possible because I just want to be mad. I need to I need to process this. And then when I get through it and then God goes, how exhausted are you right now? And I go, very okay. Was that temper tantrum worth it? (laughs) No. But again, we're flesh, right? We are we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And sometimes our human side takes over. And we have to go, rah, you know, but that's where <laughs> I, that, and that's what I love about my marriage to Tawny is that she and I have that sanctuary with each other of like, she'll text me and go, when I get home, I need you to be ready to listen. Cause I've had a day. Okay. Or vice versa. And, and we can say all the uglies and be all the things in the safety. And that's where we are because then we know we're still going to do the right thing. We're still going to listen to God. We're still going to be okay. But we just have to process it through together, knowing each other's strengths and weaknesses and roles. And again, by the end of it, we know we're going to do the right thing. We just have to get there. I love that. You know, giving your spouse your full attention and letting people feel, you know, a lot of times we stuff emotions, which is not, we're not supposed to ruminate, think about it over and over and over again, but we do have to feel our feelings. Well, one feeling I get when I'm sipping the Roxanne blend of coffee is a great feeling that I've done something to contribute. Mm. And I don't know, there are very few little purchases that you can make that are all about Jesus that could honor the person you're gifting it with. Or if you just like it, you know it's doing something good. That is the Roxanne blend at mybrotherscup.com. It's simply spectacular. It tastes fantastic. It helps spread the gospel around the world. It's a win-win. Yeah, and, and it makes the house smell good, too. So just make sure if you just ran out of candles, you know, or don't burn them during the summer because it's too hot, this is a, a nice little way. And if you like the cold brew, you know, do a little French press, put it on some ice, you're good to go. So if you want to pick yours up, make sure you check it out at mybrotherscup.com or go to roxanneandace.com and get yours. Hey, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Excited when we get a chance to find great reading material that challenges our faith throughout the summer. And I can't help but when I think about this week's title, I hear Skillet. I feel invincible. Going in my head all week long. I love that. Well, his resume must be about a mile long. How fascinating. He was a scholarship athlete, an engineer, now a leader of a nonprofit working with more than 100 countries. Wow. It's it's really spectacular. And we probably need two hours. Uh, but he has graced us with a great opportunity to talk about a new book. It's called Invincible Joy. Don't we all want that? Invincible Joy, Chasing God's Dreams for Your Life. And we are thrilled to welcome the president of Advancing Native Missions, Oliver Asher. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Roxanne, for that introduction. I appreciate it. Good to be with you, Ace. 
So, Oliver, I think I know in our house we've adopted the phrase, let's ride the joy train. And so as I've been nice. you know, reading through your book and getting ready to talk to you today, how do we stay in that joy train? How do we even think about joy when everything just seems to feel and sound like it's falling apart? Yeah. So that's why I try to live aces on the joy train, you know. And when you write a book like Invincible Joy, you better ride on the joy train or right? you know, it's going to be a, a hard, hard road to plow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So really, Ace, for me, really what it comes down to, first of all, let me just tell you where Invincible Joy comes from. When I was eight years old, my grandma Lily and my mom Carol shared the good news of Jesus with me. And right away, I knew even as a boy, I was a sinner. I'd beat up my brother. I'd said a curse word. I'd you know, done things I shouldn't have done. I actually stole a pack of pencils from a Piggly Wiggly. My mom made me take them back and apologize to the manager. And, you know, so I knew I was a sinner and I knew I needed Jesus. And so when I heard you know, about his sinless life, his death and resurrection, man, that just filled me with uh, invincible joy. And really, you know, I've had it since then. And basically, so the, the secret for me is, you know, every morning is waking up, you know, spending that time in the word, spending that time with Jesus and really just filling myself up. And, you know, uh, I, I definitely, I don't trust my feelings. My, my feelings will deceive me. They'll lie to me, you know, depending on the weather, depending on circumstances, life, whatever. But when I read the word of God, I know I'm reading, you know, about the promises of God that are always true every single day when there's no condemnation for those that are, you know, in Christ Jesus, you know, all things happen for good to those that uh, are called according to his purpose. So man, when I wake up and I just fill myself up, then I can go out now I have something to give away to the world. So that's really the secret these days, you know, for me to, to continually be filled with joy. How do you maintain that when life really smacks you, when there's a wayward child, when finances go awry, when we're very, very sick, when we get that diagnosis, the big C word, how do we maintain that wonderful joy that we all seek to have? Well, Roxanne, that's a great question. And, 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 and let me say right at the beginning, you know, it, it, it's not easy. You know, it's really, it's, it's like love. It's a commitment. It's a choice. You know, so again, like you said, I mean, it, you know, we have hard times, right? I mean, difficult times. We suffer. We have pain. You know, all the, those things are going to happen. And certainly I've experienced that in my lifetime. But again, you know, when I'm filling myself up with the word, when I'm filling myself up with Jesus, the Holy Spirit, you know, that is what combats you know, that the bad news, right? I mean, you know, what is, uh, what do we have to combat the bad news? It's a good news, right? Mm. And again, that the Lord, like you said uh, in the beginning, one of you said, you know, God is for us, right? I mean, you know, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is in us, right? By the Holy Spirit. Uh, God is with us, Emmanuel, Jesus. So when he's with you, in you, and for you, you know, even when bad news comes, when, when hard days come, and they will, you know, they will definitely come and you may not, you know, always be smiling through it, but you can have an inner peace and an inner joy that'll keep you through it. Now, I know that your book touches a lot on this and it's a, it's a, it says a lot about this show too, because we've had dream interpreters on to help us make sense of when God is trying to talk to us when we're resting. You know, I say yes. that in quotes because we're not always resting, we're worrying, right? But right. how, how in our dreams can we really be hearing from God? So, so, uh, Ace, I would say that, so first of all, yeah, when you're talking about literal dreams, uh, yeah. you know, I know, I know that there was one time in my life, uh, when I was, I was on a career path. I was an engineer, had four children, a wife, you know, mortgage, just living the American dream. And I had a dream that uh, I was laid off from my job. 
And two days later, I went in and sure enough, it happened. So that was one of those dreams, you know, you, you don't want to get. Uh, but then really I asked the question, you know, I said, okay, Lord, you have my attention. You know, what's next? You know, just like David in uh, Samuel, he would inquire of the Lord when he came to a crossroad. You know, he didn't know what to do next, had a hard decision to make. You know, and it says he would inquire of the Lord. And that's what I've done during those times, uh, Ace, when I needed to, you know, when when a dream died, like my dream to be a professional engineer uh, died. My I, I went to the University of Virginia to play football on a football scholarship and, of course, had the dream like a lot of D1 athletes. I wanted to go to that next level. But that dream died in college. But you know what? Our dreams help us to get to where we are. Uh, but then once we're there, then God will give us the next step. So maybe even the next dream to get us, you know, to the next season in life. And so that that's how it's been for me. So whether it was a dream that I had for life or even a literal dream, you know, it's always just trusting that God is, you know, in it and helping me to make those next steps. Let's go back to when you were a child and went through a terrible fire. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So yeah, just to back up just a little bit. So I was, uh, I was born in Florida to in Tampa area to a teenage mom. Uh, my dad was in prison at the time. He got out a couple years later. They ended up moving to Virginia. We kind of moved to Southwestern Virginia into the, you know, the, the Appalachians there, just living the simple hillbilly country life. And, you know, we lived in Holler and I know you guys know what Hollers are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Alabama, right? And, and sure. uh, you know, it's a, a valley between two mountains, right? And usually it's a gravel road uh, going down <laughs> the valley. And that, that's where we lived, a really simple life. Uh, but what happened, uh, as you mentioned, Roxanne, was uh, when I was in seventh grade, I remember getting the call uh, from the vice principal, called me down to his office. And he had said, you know, Oliver, I have some terrible news. Your house burned down. And I was, of course, uh, you know, concerned for my mom. But he said, your mom's okay, uh, which, you know, obviously that was the most important thing. Uh, but I remember going home on the bus that day and going around that last bend and just seeing the charred remains of a trailer. You know, we lived in a mobile home. And uh, and so it was it was hard. It was very difficult. But again, you know, before that, you know, just several years before that, my mom and grandma had shared the good news with me. And 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 so, again, we, we all were, you know, trusting in Jesus, believing in him. And so it, it was OK. You know, we knew it would be OK. There was going to be a tough season. But we had that confidence that the Lord was with us. Now you talk about in Invincible Joy that there are two essential questions when we're seeking God's direction that we need to ask. What are those questions? Yeah, so going, Ace, that kind of takes me back to what I was talking about, you know, when I, again, with football, you know, and then even also with uh, the engineering career, uh, the question that I ask, again, going back to David, is, is Lord, first of all, you got my attention. You know, I, I always, the Lord speaks to us, right, Through first of all, through his word primarily, but then through life, through circumstances, through other people. And so I knew he was speaking to me, you know, in, in those times. And so the question I ask is, Lord, what's next? You know, I want to really make sure that I take time out, you know, not just, just immediately just, you know, go jump into whatever else is coming along, but really take time out to seek and pray and say, Lord, you know, uh, what do you want me to do? And then the second question is, Ace, Lord, how can I glorify you? You know, what What do you want me to do? You know, you, you obviously, you, you know, this path has ended. I'm on a new path. And on this new path, how can I glorify you? And what do you want me to do? Wow. Your work is in missions. And I, I want to ask, there was yet, Christian Post had yet another article about how Christianity is in massive decline in the U.S. And I just every time I see that, I think, why, how, what's going on? But you have a world vision. Yes. of what 
what's happening with Christianity. Where do you think things are headed? Are people around the world more or less receptive to hearing the good news that you're talking about? Roxanne, I want to tell you that there is good news in, in, in Christendom uh, <laughs> that, yeah, although here, you know, I really believe that, you know, it's like when you become familiar with something, right? Familiarity breeds contempt. And so we're so used to the gospel here. We have it on at your church on every corner. We have it on the Internet, on TV, radio. You know, we just become oblivious to it. But, but Roxanne, there's still two billion, two to three billion people around the world that have never heard the sweet name of Jesus. They've never celebrated Christmas. They have no idea what Easter is. So when they hear it, man, they are so excited. And I want to tell you that's happening throughout the Middle East, South Asia, Southeast Asia. You know, as a matter of fact, you're going to be surprised that probably the largest revival in the world right now is going on in Iran. There's probably 20% growth year after year uh, in Christian uh, population in Iran. I mean, they're just tired of, uh, you know, Islam. They're tired of the iron fist just slamming on them. We cannot print enough Bibles. Uh, to get them into Iran. We've helped one of our ministry partners to print 2.5 million that have been distributed throughout Iran. And again, we can't get them there fast enough. And so just to give you an idea, and obviously, I mean, they're in a terrible situation. I mean, the church is underground. You know, it, it, it's illegal to have a Bible, illegal to preach or, or evangelize on the streets. But I tell you what, our, our brothers and sisters there are bold. They're taking the word out and there is revival in Iran. I mean, the same thing happened in China, right? In 1949, when Mao shut down the, you know, the doors and kicked all the missionaries out, there were about a million Christians. And everybody said, man, uh, Christianity's dead in China, right? Well, today there's over 100 million Christians, you know, and, and the indigenous Christians there have taken those gospel seeds that were planted and they've borne fruit. And, you know, fruit, as Jesus said, fruit that remains and much fruit that remains. So, again, you know, places like China, even though, again, there's terrible persecution. We just recently had some brothers and sisters from North Korea. The church is growing in North Korea as horrible as it is there. I mean, they're the number one country uh, in persecuting Christians on planet Earth. But we we know uh, the, through the ministry we support, we're supporting at least 1,600 underground churches in North Korea. So God is at work around the world. Again, India, other places. Uh, so, uh, you know, when you hear the bad news here, you know, they're not going to broadcast this on NBC, ABC or CBS. Uh, but this is the truth about the gospel. And, and we know right from the word, Jesus said that when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached throughout the earth as a witness to all nations in the end is going to come. So we know it's going to go to all nations going to go throughout the earth. And that's what's happening. We actually work in about 121 countries. We're supporting over 27,000 native missionaries in these countries. And they're reaching about a thousand unreached people groups. So, so Roxanne, there's plenty of good news out there that the Lord is at work. Middle East, you've heard, again, you talked about dreams and visions many times of people, you know, from the countryside that walk into the city and they say, hey, you know, I saw the man in white. He told me to go look for this building that has a symbol on top. And, and, you know, and of course the Christians pointing toward the church, you know, becomes a believer. I mean, that happens all the time. We're constantly, you know, getting stories of how the Lord is, you know, saving people, you know, through dreams and visions. So he's at work in so many ways. And we're just, we're excited about what he's doing. As a matter of fact, Roxanne, we believe that with, with the missionary work, the way it's uh, happening around the earth with East and West missionaries from everywhere joining together technology that we can see the great commission completed in our lifetime. That's our dream. That's our goal. <laughs> you fill us with absolute joy. And that is the message I, I personally needed to hear. I'm tired of hearing about bad numbers, you know, Amen. all the nuns 
of the world. I'm, I don't mean a Catholic nun. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, <laughs> so, absolutely. Yes, I like, I like I nuns. I went to a Catholic college yeah. as an atheist, which is a story in itself. Oh, wow. The nuns love me. Isn't that funny? Now look uh, at her. But yeah, and now look, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> madly in love with Jesus. And Absolutely. what a joy it has been to talk to someone like you. You're just amazing and you ooze joy. So that had to be the book you had to write, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. And, and again, let me just in, in one sentence, Roxanne, just tell everybody, you know, joy is the person in his name is Jesus. How, how can people get in touch with you and find out more about the book? Yeah, so so you can order the book actually on Amazon. It's probably the easiest way. Just uh, you know, go there, type in "Invincible Joy," and you know, and order the book. And I, I'd love for you to you know uh, leave a review if you order it. Uh, but, but otherwise, you can go certainly to our website, advancingnativemissions.com. If you want to learn more about what we do, I have my own website, oliverasher.com. If you want to learn more about my book, my story, etc. By the way, right now we are focusing on children that are sex trafficked. For July, as y'all know, The Sound of Freedom, fantastic mm -hmm. movie came out, you know, highlighting that. And so that's kind of what our emphasis is right now. We have about six ministries that go in and save children, you know, out th from sex slavery. And so we're trying to get them all the help we can. So, again, that's kind of our big push right now. But we, we support missionaries around the world. Oliver Asher has been our guest. The book is Invincible Joy. Thanks so much for your time, bud. We look forward to seeing how God uses this and to have you back on the show. Awesome, Ace. I'd love to come back. Thank you, friend, for having me. Thank you, Roxanne. Thank you so much. God bless you. Okay, here's the question when it comes to conflict with family and friends. We've talked about how to get along. Sometimes we don't. We get into conflict. And some Canadian psychologists say there are specific styles when we're in a conflict. And here they are. We're going to determine, Ace McKay, if you are a turtle, a shark, a teddy bear, a fox, or an owl. Oh, no. Here are the definitions of the categories. Turtles withdraw. They abandon both their own goals and the relationship. They're frozen, unresolved conflict. Sharks are aggressive. They're forceful. They protect their own goals. They tend to attack. They can intimidate. <laughs> Teddy bears seek to keep the peace, smooth everything over. They drop their own goals completely. They sacrifice for everybody. The foxes adopt a compromising style. They're concerned about sacrifices made on both sides. They seek concessions. And even when it results in a less than ideal deal for them, foxes will hang. And one more, the owls. They adopt a style that views conflict as a problem to be resolved. They are open to solving it through whatever solution is necessary. What would you say you are? I'm a teddy fox. I'm somewhere between <laughs> foxes and teddy bears. Because <laughs> I am. like I, I want to be the peaceful, chilled, smooth over kind of thing. But also, where do I need to compromise? Is it a compromise on myself? Uh, am I meeting someone halfway, whether it's my spouse or friend, coworker, whatever? Because it has to be a give and take for me because I, I don't mind learning from the situation if I need to, you know, do my part to resolve. But, you know, I do like to know that it's a give and take situation. Very good. How about That's you? It's better than me, who is probably a shark because I can be pretty aggressive. I'm not proud of that. I'm a shark wannabe owl. How's that? There you go. Just open to solving it with whatever solution. I, I'm I'm working on it. 
I'm being an owl. You're a shell. We're going to do a little hybrid. <laughs> Shark and owl. You're a little shell. I'm saying it's a shell. Well, as you figure out your uh, personality style and conflict style, have a great rest of your weekend. Thanks for spending time with us as always. And remember, thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for sponsoring this week's show. Roxanne, I love you. I love you too. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.